thank you for taking the time. For me, it's the morning. For you, it's the evening, right? No more coffee for you? No more coffee. Otherwise, I'll be off the wall. <laughs> there you go. Well, you started off the year knowing, hey, I put out a single in December. How much are your 2023s planned versus just waiting and see what happens? So this year, I'm taking kind of a different approach where I'm actually planning quite far in advance um, with my releases. So it's it's quite planned. Dates are still being figured out, but um, I think that I'm I'm very excited to be releasing quite a lot of music in the mm -hmm. next year. Right. Your career so far has been a mix of collaborations and EPs. Will we ever see a full length or is, is the EP the thing for you for the future? Well, so this year I'm planning on releasing two to three EP projects um, mm -hmm. in which I'm going to build a story. And then the plan is for 2024 to compile some songs that I've released in the past a few years ago and then things from this year and create them all into a body of work because I feel like I like the slow process of building up mm -hmm. the story and getting to know who I am before releasing such a big body of work so people are more invested. I admire it. how patient you've been with your career. A lot of people when they sign a record deal when they're 18, 19 years old, they'd be expecting, hey, this is going to be out ASAP, but you've been in development, you've taken your time in a way have you always been this patient or are you just waiting for the industry to tell you stuff? You know what? It's been, it's been hard. And, but to be honest, I think that music is, it's so special to me that the thought of rushing anything feels worse than mm -hmm. waiting. Um, and I feel like I'll know in myself when it's time to, to release an album or something like that and um not it doesn't feel like the right time yet so it feels yeah I feel kind of half patient and half like I'm kind of trusting my intuition and yeah I get it I mean to talk about myself for a second I have a book that I turned in three four months ago and I said great when's it coming out and they said spring 2024 <laughs> and rather than fighting it, I just go, okay, well, let's do other stuff between now and then. In your case, have you been collaborating with other artists or some form? Because the way that a lot of people first found out about you was the track with Black Coffee. Yeah, exactly. I've been doing a lot of stuff with other artists and um, creating a lot of, I've got a lot of kind of side projects and art projects that I've been doing that have taken up a lot of my life and also writing I don't know ghost writing for people and ah. there is there's much more that I've been doing aside from my solo career and so I feel like that's kind of given me the luxury to be able to take it slow and obviously as an artist I'm a perfectionist so <laughs> for me something like an album when I release my first album I want to I want to get it right I want it to be the best album ever that I could have done and I feel like I'm nearly there now, but, um, yeah. but you know, I, yeah, there's no rush for me. Has all this been London-based or have you been sent on assignment to New York and Los Angeles for that collaboration stuff? Um, yeah, a mixture. 
a mixture they've it's kind of I've kind of dotted around everywhere I've I've been based out of London but I'm soon to be based out of Los Angeles oh um, okay next month. yeah which will be a fun change and I'm really looking forward to it, it feels like a fresh fresh start in a nice way and it's inspiring doing that so that's exciting well and a place that doesn't rain every day I mean it's <laughs> pouring with rain right now <laughs> I've, I've got a studio over there in my garden and I literally just just now to come in here for the interview I, I like ran with my laptop and it's just it's very gray <laughs> yeah LA pros and cons but a lot of pros and congratulations in advance on that but back to you I couldn't figure this out who was that first artist that made you went I'm going to do this or I want to do this for a career as opposed to just sing along with the radio like a lot of people growing up. For me, it was Carol King. Um, her album Tapestry is, I just think that's one of the greatest masterpieces of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and I heard that when I was probably about six, five or six. And I just was like, okay, wow, this is what I have to do. <laughs> When just, watching you on YouTube performing, sometimes it's you on piano, sometimes it's you on guitar. Was piano the first instrument? Guitar was actually the first. Oh. Guitar was the first. I remember when I was like five, I like said to my mom, I was like, you have to buy me a guitar. And she bought me this nylon stringed guitar. And then we had a piano in our house growing up and I'd never really touched it. And then when I was about seven, I got bored of the guitar as a typical child and started playing on the piano. And then ever since, it's just been a mixture. Hmm. Do the songs sometimes get written on the piano and sometimes on guitar and sometimes on laptop with playing around with beats? Yeah, um, usually the past few years, it's mainly been piano. Um, um, yeah, no, I don't I don't usually write kind of laptop. I like I like writing songs with an instrument before touching the kind of electronic stuff. Um, and yeah, it's recently it has been a lot of piano. Hmm. Interesting. When you're collaborating with other artists, is it always the same thing where you start it and then they finish it? Or is it depending on what the collaboration is, that's how it goes? Honestly, yeah, it totally depends. Sometimes they'll take something I've done or sometimes I'll take something they've done or sometimes we'll be in the room together and it will just all happen at once. It like it completely depends on the situation. I, I ask that because sometimes you find out that some of the top co-writers in music, all they do is one thing. Like that person is the vibes person. They don't play an instrument. They don't sing. They're just there to make the joy happen and, and the vibes happen. And then other people, it's they only do top line. But in listening to your music, you seem very flexible and working to the situation or arrangement, unlike a lot of other co-writers. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that, yeah, I mean, it's a very valuable thing being bringing the vibes it's um because often it's all about the vibes but no I'm definitely proactive with the writing part but yeah I think it's it's I just find it really fun being flexible and trying out all these different genres and people I just think 
that for me that's what art is all about and that's what life is about and um I'm not the kind of artist where I just want to like stay in my lane I've been told a lot of you know stay in your lane and I'm like maybe I've got loads of lanes and maybe I've got a whole village of lanes and that's all right you know um yeah hence why it's hard to describe you you know are you a singer-songwriter are you a producer are you a collaborator but it sounds like you're at peace with the many lanes I think you know what it's taken me many years to be at peace with the fact that maybe maybe I don't even know exactly what I am or who, and maybe that's okay and I think that it's very common especially being signed at a young age you're kind of expected and told like you know to know who you are and what you want for the next 10 years right. to know exactly how you want it all to look and I I couldn't do that in an authentic way so I've never done that and I think that now you know um with hindsight I'm so glad because it's all growth and learning and I feel like you know I've I started releasing music when I was so young that it kind mm -hmm. of shows my journey. And, you know, maybe I'll look back at some of the songs I've released and I'll be like, oh God, that is so not me. But it was me at the time and that's okay. It's a bit, it's like a tattoo, you know, like you sometimes yeah. you hate them. It's part of your story and that's okay. Yeah, I yeah. think about every artist has that point where they hate the young, the youngest, earliest material that they did but it's what the crowd wants to hear. And then they cross over to that point where they see what the reaction is and they can sing it as a character rather than themselves. And they just laugh at it a little bit and it brings the enjoyment. So they don't mind the baby pictures in a way. Exactly, exactly, baby pictures. <laughs> well, back to you, two questions and then I'll let you go. And the first one is the 2023-2024 plans. Will we be seeing you performing live? Yes, definitely. I'm um, working on a residency in LA at the moment um, to be confirmed and then a few festivals as well. So yeah, I'll definitely be on the scene. Hey, Justin, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. How you doing? I am fine. Are you fine aside from having to do media and, you know, answer the same five questions over and over and over again? I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you taking the time, you know, new album that was long awaited and all that. And the first question I have related to all that, a lot of special guests on the album. It's almost yeah. like Carlos Santana, Supernatural, <laughs> but for punk rock. Almost. Uh, was it by design to have this many guests or is it just an organic thing because people really collaborated in the last few years in the midst of COVID and all that? You know, it, honestly, it was both. I mean, um, where it mostly came from was the fact that our our previous record, 2020 Vision, came out right before the pandemic. So um, it came out and we did one tour in Europe on it. Then we played one show in North America and then we were shut down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is kind of a bum out when you work really hard on a record and then you can't tour on it. So we kind of thought like, with this record, rather than have the the possibility of another shutdown, because we, you know, when the record, when we we're making it, we were like, will there be another another shutdown? Won't there? We thought the chances were pretty slim, but who knows, right? We we're living in crazy times. So right. um, our thinking was, let's release songs 
little by little, because that way, if we're able to be out playing shows, at least people will have access to some of the music from the record. And if things do, if there's a shutdown or whatever, and the record gets shelved or whatever could happen, or just the shows get canceled, at least um, we'll have been able to play some of the songs live. Um, so what we were doing when it originally is um, when we were going out on tour, Mm -hmm. The songs that had been released, we knew, like we could walk on stage and play them. And um, that's how we were, as we were releasing the songs, we had a new song that we were adding to the set. Um, but, you know, with that idea of releasing the songs little by little, um, our bass player, Chris, was like, you know, this is sort of like a hip hop, like, or like a pop thing where it's like you're releasing songs. We should see if why don't we make features and see if people want to actually be on the songs as we release them that would be really cool you know and and it would kind of keep it fresh for us i mean we've been a band mm -hmm. almost 30 years so like all right what can we do that's different how can we put out a record and make it more interesting than something that, we, that we've done recently so he sort of threw that idea out there um Initially, though, I don't think that the initially we were going for eight people. I think what happened was um, we the first track, you know, was clearly like felt like in a track influenced by Rise Against. You know, we've mm -hmm. been friends with them since, you know, forever. So it was just like, all right, well, you know, the sounds this is definitely a, a Rise Against in, influenced track. Let's ask Tim if he wants to be on. Let's embrace it, you know. And Tim's an old friend, so that was an easy phone call. Um, and then with the next track, um, there was a part in it that to me sounded like Silverstein. And we've done a lot of touring with Silverstein. I was like, oh, guys, what if we asked Shane? And again, it was like, he's a friend. It was easy. At that point, it had become fun. Mm -hmm. And so it just kept going, you know? And And so for the songs where we were like, oh, this makes me think of this person. You know, for example, on Never Ever, I was like, this song is about what Stacey D from Bad Cop is about. And it would be so cool to have her on it. So it's like, let's ask her. Or on um, Victory or Death, it sounded so much like an, an anthem. And I like the biggest, like the best anthem band is Die Totenhosen from Germany. So it was like, let's ask, ask Campino from Die Totenhosen. So it sort of took on an organic, uh, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. It just kept building. <laughs> Here it's good morning. For you, I'd assume it's like good early evening or good late afternoon. Yeah, 4 p.m. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, you're past the coffee or tea part of the day, but how's yeah. your day going aside from having to talk to American press asking you the same five <laughs> questions over and over and over again? Oh, I'm looking forward to that already. Um, yeah, yeah, it's gone well. It's good. Just just working. We were we were away in the studio last week, and so nice to be home, see my girls. Yeah, all good, really. A video of yours really caught my attention from December when you were watching the unveil of how many Spotify listens and minutes you had, and you made the joke, that's 87 million listens of sad music you said something along those lines i loved how you had a sense of humor about amber run and that it's not the most uplifting music in on the <laughs> surface but then when you think about it it is really uplifting hopeful music at the same time you get what i'm saying where on the yeah, surface, yeah i get you it's sad, but it's inspiring at the same time 
Well, I really appreciate that. That's really kind. Um, yeah, what, the music that we like to, to make is, is when we started the project, we said everything we have to do has to be really authentic, authentic and it has to have a real motive to it. And it's quite easy to fall into, you know, when you set yourself that kind of task, it's quite easy to fall into kind of melodrama and uh, melancholy. Um, so we definitely do fall into that quite a lot. But, you know, we're all not just one thing. We're all kind of dichotomies just walking around. And um, yeah, I like to joke around and have a nice time as much as the next person. I think it's just when it comes to music, find it a lot easier to present my pain than present um, our happiness. Um, present I, my pain. Now that is a lyric or song title. Write that one down. Yeah. All right. Let's do the project together, my friend. Let's do it. You and me. 50-50 split. I was in the room. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. You, you've been in the biz long enough. You get it. <laughs> but my experience is the bands that are upfront about being sad or down are usually the funniest, biggest comedy fans there are. And then it's the comedy people who don't like any comedy at all that only watch dramas. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, uh, I think Robin Williams said something about the fact that like, uh, you know, if you're the, the the saddest people don't want other people to feel that way. And I, you know, when I, when we're around other people, we want to make them feel good because, you know, when you've seen the bottom of the barrel, you don't really want that to be uh, something that people have to go through. Um, look, I'm no comedian. I would not rate myself as funny. So I definitely watch comedies. Uh, but yeah, I, I also love the drama as well. Um, yeah. Uh, love it. <laughs> At the beginning of the conversation, you said that we were just in the studio. Was that tracking how to be human, like putting final tweaks on it or just bonus stuff? Yeah, so we've we finished the record already. Um, it's it's bonus stuff, so acoustic stuff and, and different versions. And, you know, I think it's really fun to go back into the studio once you finish something and um, uh, reinterpret and reimagine so that you can like like really annoy yourself when the new version's better, you know? So, um, but I think, I think it's interesting because I would, I, I would call myself and the guys songwriters before anything else. And, you know, a good, a good song can be dressed up in any costume. And I, I think it's a fun, a fun way to go about uh, enjoying your own music is to, to keep uh, developing it and trying it in you guys's. And, and, you know, some people like to listen to that because it's all part of, the process of making music and i think people are interested by that sometimes they don't have to be but and i enjoy because yeah. i enjoy doing it so <laughs> well there is a title track on this album did you know outright hey the album's called how to be human or did the track strike something with you and then later on you figured maybe there's a theme here yeah um the title track uh, was i think always going to be the title of the record it's quite grandiose it's quite self-involved which i thought was quite funny really because who who could possibly know how to be human um we just kind of wanted to yeah to be slightly ironic with that but um yeah i got i got an email basically telling me that like how to become a millionaire in 10 days and i was like oh i don't need this i just need someone to tell me how to get through the next 10 days rather than make 10 million pounds and so we were just like okay well that's kind of a fun way to think about making music and engaging with oneself. So 
yeah, we we kind of knew that How to Be Human was going to be the name of the record. So it definitely helped in uh, you know, the lyrical and process of, of making it. I would assume that you have to do international bonus tracks, but is your band one of those where it's one for one, meaning if there's 15 songs on the album, you wrote 15, or do you pare it down for from 30 or 40 songs? Yeah, we write a lot of music. Um, I write a lot of music as well for, for other folk. And, and um, yeah, there was a lot of music made for this record, um, but you, you have to choose what feels like snapshots in time of what we were trying to say whilst making this particular record. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a difficult, that's a difficult, uh, you know, whittling down process, but, um, you know, we're just pushing air. It's just music and, and not to like demean that or demote that to anything, but it's, I think all songs will have their moment in the sun. It's important you get across what you're trying to say more than just kind of like, kind of taking all the best you could possibly take from everywhere and it being some kind of like Frankenstein. At what point did you realize, because this band, the roots of it go back to your childhood, these are your friends, and this is not the first band that that's happened with, of course, U2 and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Clutch. We've seen a lot of bands where childhood friends turned it into a career, but at what point did you all realize this wasn't just a garage band or a basement band, but actually a career? Well, that's really interesting because, I mean, um, you know, we're we're aware that it is a, a career and something that we're like doing and we're really enjoying getting better and developing. But I think because we're all such good friends and we've we've been friends for such a long time, that still feels like that garage band mentality. Like we still just kind of write the songs together mm-hmm. in a room. We don't sit in some like fancy studio and like, you know, uh, work as we go. You know, it's it's still like friends bickering and like, <laughs> you know like getting pissed off with each other because it, you know it's a brotherhood at this point um we've known each other so long we've been in each other's pockets <laughs> for such a long time um that I would still call it a garage band thing you know because it's still we work we work independently now um uh you know from a label perspective with um our with our managers and yeah so the whole thing feels quite as grassroots as when it started which is uh yeah really really fun um, but I would say it's when we when we left university was when it felt like we were really gonna like we really need to work on this we're gonna we're gonna give this the best shot we can um we left in our second year of university which um I don't know the American term uh college so yeah I get it you yeah. dropped out or you took a um a sabbatical uh the other guys took a sabbatical I just I I threw myself into that ocean <laughs> Okay, well, you mentioned the magic word independent. And when I said, how do you know it was not a career? When you put out your first album through RCA close to a decade ago, a lot of bands would go, well, we left the major label, it's over. And I think that bands today have more insight where they go, you'll get the one or two major label albums, then you build the industry around yourself as an independent artist. So how did you know not to break up? when you left RCA in the majors and went independent? Um, well, I mean, we lost a member, so we didn't come out unscathed. Um, it was very, very difficult. Um, and I think that we were one of the last bands uh, that signed like a big fat record deal for that first, um, 
for that first deal. And then the industry started changing as Spotify and stuff kind of came in. And we were on that kind of first wave of understanding that there was going to be, you know, money pays for the party. And it's not that we're like running around being gazillionaires at this point, but you have to start realizing how the industry is going to be built. And we were lucky enough to be at a point where Spotify and Apple Music and this stuff had been around long enough to, for us to understand that if we keep making music that we really love and we, you know, have worked really hard to build this audience with our initial partner, then, you know, we have the ability to put it out to people that are going to enjoy it. And, and I think at some point you just have to look at yourself and, and, and say, you know, do I want to do anything else? Do I still think that we have something to say to people? And if the answer is that you do think you have something to say, then I, I think that, you know, there's your answer. And also you have an obligation to yourself and to the, the people that have spent money and time on uh, uh, you know, buying into you. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, to do your best um, to do something. And sometimes that's gonna work, not going to work and you're not going to have the time and you're not going to have the like emotional capacity to make it work. And that's totally fine. But um, we did and I'm very grateful for it. Do we, the fans in North America, get another tour from you in the near future? Because remarkable, and this is another compliment, you're, you're obviously a very modest person, but after leaving RCA, arguably you played your biggest tour dates and biggest shows ever so i'd imagine that there is demand for you to come back to new york and the like absolutely we're very much planning to come back um you know post covid's a little bit fruity and 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 uh with just the way the world's makeup is at the moment it's a little bit kooky but we definitely have plans to come back um you know the first it was it was on a end of the second beginning of the third record before we even could vaguely afford to come to the States. And I remember we right. were supposed to play at a place in New York called Baby's All Right or something like that. Baby's um, All Right in Brooklyn. Yeah, you got and it. it. And that and that sold out in like 20 seconds. So we like upgraded the music hall of Williamsburg. So like we have a real love affair with coming and playing in New York and we have a real love affair of, of playing in the States. You know, that's, we grew up on bands like, you know, Paramore and Panic at the Disco uh, when they first came out, Fall Out Boy. And that was the music that we kind of, up listening to so we were like imagine being able to go play in the states imagine being able to do that mm-hmm. and now having done it you know many times um it's exciting um as uh, as if we haven't done it before because we get to come back and see new places and you know uh playing towns that we just heard about on the tv so yeah well, down to the last two questions before i let you go this is a new album for us how to be human But in your case, as the person who wrote it, as a creative person, you mentioned before, hey, we're always writing stuff. We're songwriters primarily. Are you already thinking about the next album or are you a one album at a time kind of person? No, um, I love this record and I want to give it its moment. Um, But uh, personally, and I can speak for the rest of the guys as well, just like... um, just really love making music it's uh, a privilege and a pleasure just to be able to sit there and and push air around I think it's I think it's funny that we get the opportunity to do it and what else is there to do with a day you know there's only so much tv you can watch <laughs> um we we love making music and I don't think there's a day where I won't attempt to do something and sometimes the stuff's good and sometimes the stuff's bad but you know you got to go through a lot of rubbish to to get to some gold so
I've spoken with a lot of food professionals before, but none that were a marine biologist first. I'm correct about that. Yes? That's right. Yep, that's right. That's how I started my career. I started, you know, this fascination with the love of fish. And I went to school and I studied fish and I just wanted to be with fish and do fish. And uh, yeah, that's that's that was my first passion was uh, was actually research, fish science, understanding fish. So, yep, I, I studied fish in college and I worked for the government and the state of California as a as a marine biologist. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow Cast. Paltrow Cast.